And I remember back in 2007, uh, we ended up losing our first home that we bought. Uh, my mom worked her entire life. We, you know, we finally bought a home. We all had finally had our own bedroom. And then within a, a year and a half, all of it was gone. Hi, baby. Hop in the Lamborghini. Uh, I'm needy. I'm me only. I'm needy. Uh, hi, baby. Hop in the Lamborghini. Left for a minute. I did not sweat it. Look at that guy just spinning. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Stroke of Success. As you all know, this show is a this podcast show I came up with. The aim for this was to talk to entrepreneurs around the world that have gone through some setbacks. Um, the gentleman right in front of you, I've been following him for probably five years now. I'm a fanboy. I'm literally nervous. I was, I was nervous last night researching the individual. Let me just show you, share it with my audience the story how I came to know Gabe. Social media, you know, the power of social media. I got into real estate in 2018 and I saw what he was doing and I reached out to him a bunch of times. We talked and the surprising thing to us, he responded back to me. He shows humility and how humble he is. And I've been watching him carefully, uh, Gabe, your, your career. You have gone from zero to 100. Uh, with God's will, and uh, you know, God bless you. Thank you for joining us today, Gabe. Thank you so much, man. Such a pleasure, such an honor to be here, uh, especially in front of the entire audience that's out there listening and watching. I'm excited to be here and just share some stories and uh, insight onto maybe some things that can happen that, that can help you, especially in this market as it's transitioning. So it's such an honor for me to be here today. Thank you for the invitation. Thank you, Gabe. Um, Gabe, let's start with the history, man. Where were you born and raised? Yeah, uh, so native, born and raised San Diego. Uh, first generation from uh, my my family's first generation from Mexico, but I was I was born and raised here, uh, down in. It's funny, man. A lot of people think San Diego is a big city or a big county. It's not really that big. From the border to about North County, uh, it'll take about maybe forty minutes max to drive from one end to the other. Okay. Uh, so I grew up I grew up in the uh, southern region of San Diego. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Parents were I uh, I take your parents were super rich. White collar jobs, yachts ah. outside, private jets, all in nine. You know, you got, you got the empire given to you. Exactly, brother. All in a silver tray, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, so complete opposite. You know, and I think now that, you know, I think so, since social media has been out, we've been really, the, I think uh, just social media and human beings as a, as a whole have been really to uh, have the ability to amplify the message of, you know, everyone has a story, everyone has a background, and that's kind of the normal. You know, before social media, the normal was, you know, you don't really talk about your problems. You, don't, you try to hide the financial issues that you're having. But now it's okay. Now it's normalized. Social media made that okay. My background is the same, I think, as the majority of the viewers that are out there. Uh, grew up, poverty. We lived in a one-bedroom apartment mm -hmm. um, in the ghetto. My mom moved us out of there. She worked three jobs. Like the whole thing, my dad divorced, parents separated. So it was a, it was a really tough time. And my mom moved us, moved us into a good neighborhood where my, all my friends had big houses, mansions, nice cars. And we were the people that had a one bedroom apartment. We were all sharing, sleeping on a bed together and uh, didn't have what everyone else had over there. So, you know, for us, it was a wake up call, uh, but I'm grateful for the journey, man, definitely. So how old were you? Did you go to high school? I went to high school. You graduated? Uh, graduated with my uh, GED. So post, uh, like the traditional, post traditional way. Okay. Uh, I had to go into continue education afterwards, a few years afterwards. Okay. Uh, what type of job did you have after high school? 
So all mainly sales. Uh, I dabbled in dry cleaning for a little bit. That wasn't for me at all. Uh, so I got fired from that pretty fast. But then after that, everything was sales from shoe sales, appliance sales, uh, clothing sales, uh, everything I could sell, I, I was selling at that point. It was a lot of fun. It was fun connecting with people. People liked my personality, they liked the charisma. Uh, I had a chance to just connect with a lot of different uh, families, men, women, and they bought for me. So uh, my most successful sales job was back then, immediately after high school, was appliances. Selling refrigerators, washers, dryers, dishwashers, um, upselling them on the warranty, breaking it down, and crushing the sales number month after month. So that was a really cool experience. Is that when the entrepreneur bug that dream started in your, into you? Was it earlier? I really love that you asked that question. Uh, the entrepreneur bug was actually implanted or maybe awoken within me, uh, awakened within me uh, back in maybe I'd say when I was eight or nine years of age. Okay. Uh, I, my father, like I told you, he had separated, they had divorced my uh, family, uh, he divorced my mother. And I remember staying with him for one summer. It was the only summer that we stayed with him. The only long period of time that we actually lived with him after my parents had divorced was this one summer. And I remember one time it was like during the day after a pool day, we went inside and we were sitting down in the bedroom and uh, he ended up pulling out some business cards and he showed me his business card, but he started flapping through all these business cards. And then he, he landed on one of them and it's last name said Mendez, which is our last name. And he pointed to it and said, this is your grandfather's business. This is my dad's business. He built this uh, gas company in Stockton. He had two locations. He uh, built three homes. Uh, this guy spoke no English, no education. I think he barely went to, uh, barely graduated third grade. So he had no education, came over to America and ended up opening up two gas stations and uh, building three homes. Successful business, really did really well financially. And he pointed to the card, told me the whole story. And then he said, this is my business card now for the business that I'm running. And after that, he said, you know, yours is next. And I remember when I was like eight or nine years old, him telling me that. And there was just something inside of me that I never forgot. Still to this day, I've never been asked that question you asked. And it brought me back to that moment. I could still remember the bedroom that we were in, where we were sitting, the bunk bed that was behind us. I remember the, the card, the way it looked like. And in that exact moment when he said, you're next, um, I remember having this pressure put on me that I felt from external, the outside, that there's um, that I have something to live up to, and I have to I have to continue this. I almost felt like the torch was passed to me, like at nine years of age, and I remember looking around, like, what is it? What am I going to do of significance that's going to matter to this world at all? Where I can look at my dad and say, I did it, Dad. Here's Grandpa's, here's yours, and here's your son's business card. And that was something that I always looked up to. And I was so excited when I first got my, when I got my first business card uh, to show him that. But to answer the question, that's when the bug was first planted in me. That's when it was awakened within me. Uh, was back around eight or nine when I had that conversation with my dad. Just imagine, Gabe, if that didn't happen. True. Just, just yeah. imagine that meeting didn't happen. What would you, what would you be doing right now? Insane. God is good, man. God is great. Um, so okay, so you're out of high school. You get in a lot of trouble in school, like a kid, junior high school, yeah. gangs? Uh, I definitely got into a lot of trouble. Uh, I can tell you the source of the trouble was bad friends. So it wasn't that I grew up bad. It was my mom raised me poorly. It was just the wrong circle. Uh, you know, she was gone all the time. She had three jobs. So right after school, we'd come back home and I had all day to, to mess around, not do anything. I had no one chaperoning me. And uh, so I ended up meeting one guy. His name was Daniel. I won't drop his last name, but I met him in elementary school. 
then our bond grew pretty tight. And then in middle school, got even closer. He introduced me to a bunch of other bad guys, which I respect. I love them all, man. We still talk to this day, but, um, and you know, we joke all the time about calling them bad guys, good guys. But anyways, there, in terms of the influence, it wasn't the best. Uh, yeah. And that middle school is really where the switch flipped because uh, that was kind of the, the year where I, I guess I blossomed like physically, uh, where I started to look a little more attractive. So I started to get a lot of attention from like the eighth and ninth graders. Plus my friends were out there partying and doing things they weren't supposed to. And the ninth grade, man, it was all game over after that. Ninth and 12th grade uh, fights, things I'm not proud of, but things that shaped my character, um, assault, uh, grand theft auto, breaking and entry, uh, just a lot of things in my record as a child. Um, as an adolescent that um, that shaped my character but dude i got into a lot i got into fights i went to five different high schools i um man it's, it's a, the list goes on anything you can think of i'll probably i've probably done it drug drug abuse except that that's that's the one thing that yeah very I, lucky i'm actually very proud of it man that's one thing that i never did so i never never i've never tried cocaine never tried uh, ecstasy i've never tried mushrooms i've never tried any of that never stuff. never never not a not a, not a bump not a line not a taste not a nibble none of that the only thing that i've ever done was was weed that's the only thing i've ever done that and a lot of alcohol okay. uh, back in the day um but that was one and the thing the reason i never did uh cocaine although my, my all my boys did it around me man they were all every single day and it was cool i kicked it with them all the time and they would do it all the time but i have such an addictive personality that I knew back then when I was watching them do that, I would see how they would behave. I would watch, I'd stay up all night and I knew for, and I'd see how many fights they got in. I knew for a fact that if I did what they were doing, uh, that I wouldn't come back from it. Like there was no way. And I had no desire to, man. I was always a high personality anyways. I was always off the walls, bouncing around, uh, staying up all night anyways, naturally. So I didn't feel like I needed that. Gotcha. I actually needed a downer, which is where weed came into play. It, it mellowed you down. Yeah. Okay. So the childhood to be covered, um, you know, come from not, not much, not much money, but father was an entrepreneur, grandfather, an entrepreneur, mom worked her butt off, right? Work I think it's amazing. Three jobs. Insane. Um, high school we covered. Okay. So where did real estate come in, in the, in the movie, the game messed up, game mended movie. What, well, how old were you? What's the timeline looking like? What year was it? Yeah. So 2000 and <clears throat> 2000 and, uh, 13 was the year that I was introduced to real estate. So January or February, a friend of mine, uh, at that time I was doing multi-level marketing. So I was selling shakes with this company called Body by Vi. Uh, my friend, Nick Sarnicola was the uh, co-founder of the company. We're still really good friends to this day, guys, an amazing person. Um, I ended up joining that company, crushing it in sales, recruited a bunch of people, did an amazing job. And uh, my buddy was watching me grow in multi-level marketing and told me, hey man, look, you're crushing in this area, but you're not doing anything throughout the day. So why don't you come into the office, TC my files, I'll pay you $500 per file, um, and you can make and you can make an extra $15, $2,000 a month on top of what you're doing. And I asked him what the hours would be like. He said, traditional hours, I mean, if you could show up like at 8.30, 9 o'clock in the morning, uh, be out by three o'clock, four o'clock, he's like, you're good. And that's what I did. So I jumped inside of there uh, while I was doing multi-level marketing. I earned another $15,000, $2,000 on top of the three to 4000 that I was doing at uh, the multi-level marketing company. So Gabe, uh, the question I was asking you, what's a childhood 2013? How old were you in 2013? Uh, 2013, I was... 10 years ago. So you were... Uh, 26. 26. You're 26, 36 right now. 
36, yeah. God bless you, man. Successful. 26, the real estate thing came in. Talk talk about that. How did that happen? Uh, so real estate, I got started with multi-level marketing. A uh, buddy of mine owned a company called Body by Vi. It was the largest uh, challenge-focused uh, direct sales company. Um, again, na name is Nick Sarnicola. Guy's a really good guy. Uh, we're still friends till this day. But I was uh, a distributor in that multi-level marketing direct sales company. And I was just crushing it in sales. So I was recruiting a bunch of people, selling a bunch of product, growing within the company, got the uh, free car, uh, speaking on stage, just like the whole thing, man. It was just, it was, it was fun. It was a lot of, it was a lot of good times. And then a buddy of mine looked at, uh, was watching me grow and he reached out to me like, hey, dude, look, you're crushing it in what you're doing, uh, but you're not doing anything throughout the day. So why don't you come TC my files, be an assistant for me, and I'll pay you 500 per file. I asked him, how many files could I do in a month? He said, you can do as many as you want, but typically people do about two to four. So I ended up joining on, he paid me 500 per file. I made that money on, in combination with what I was doing at the uh, Shake company. And um, as I was doing the files, uh, one thing happened, which was, um, I was I was noticing a lot of the clients that we were working with were either sad or upset, but all of them were losing their home. And I, one day I just asked him like a few months into it, I'm like, bro, what's happening? Why, why is it every time I'm going to their house to get signatures, every time I'm calling them, uh, they're sad and upset. And then he ended up telling me that these people were all losing their home and a majority of them were victims of predatory lending. And predatory, predatory lending, for those who don't know, um, is an act where the uh, lender would um, offer loan products without fully disclosing what the products were and having the clients fully understand. Uh, they wouldn't approve the clients. The, the guidelines and standards back then uh, weren't in place to protect the consumer. So it was up to the lender to make that determination whether or not they should uh, be qualified. So what they would do was they would put false names on applications. They would change the income status, um, whatever they needed to do to get the client approved for the loan. And they wouldn't fully disclose um, all the details of it because they were you know, making obscene amount of uh, fees on selling these loans. Um, so, you know, it, it is what it is. It was what it was and no problem. But, uh, you, know, you know, they have their life or whatever. But um, those families were all affected by it. And when he was telling me that um, that was happening to them, a light bulb went off. And I remember back in 2007, uh, we ended up losing our first home that we bought. Uh, my mom worked her entire life. We, you know, we finally bought a home. We all had finally had our own bedroom. And then within a, a year and a half, all of it was gone. All of the birthday parties that we have and friends coming over, spending the night, uh, people just like just stopping by and, you know, I can share a room with them. My friends were spending the night. That was all gone. And that was the only time in my entire life uh, that I ever had that experience. Uh, because up to that point, we were living at my grandmother's house or we were sharing a one bedroom apartment. So I never had the experience of having friends over, hosting events and parties. Um, so that one time that I did have it, it was all taken away from me within a year and a half. So that whole full circle moment took place in 2013. Um, at that point, I decided to get my license and I studied for it. Um, and I told myself that I would advocate for those who didn't have a voice, that it would never happen on my clock. There would never be another mother who had to lose her home. There would never be another uh, family that had to hang their head down in, in uh, embarrassment and uh, feel those emotions. Uh, there would never be another son that had to feel what I went through. And as long as I was there advocating for them. So um, got my license December of 2013. And I, you know, I believe there's two dates in every real estate agent's career. It's the day you get your license and the day, the day you go all in. 
Um, so the day I got my license was December of 2013, but the day that um, I went all in and made it a career was May of 2015. So when people ask me, like, how long have you been in real estate? I always tell them May of 2015, uh, because in De December of 2013, it was just my license date. It wasn't the date that I actually pursued it full-time as a career. And that's how we ended up transitioning into real estate. That's amazing. So how your first year, how'd you do? First year sucked. GCI was what, 100,000, 200,000? Yeah, bro, crushed it, man. You got top uh, rookie of the year award, bro. They flew me out across the country. No, I, bro, not even, man. It was, it was, it was horrible, dude. I mean, it was, it was, it was bad. I, I had um, three months of savings saved up for my job. I went, uh, tried it out uh, full time, and I ended up spending all. So I ended up investing all of my money into uh, suits, websites, business cards, open house signs. Like, I told myself, there's no plan B. I don't believe in a plan B because if you have a plan B in life, then it distracts from plan A. 100%. The main thing must be the main thing. And, and that's just it. It's like saying uh, the best analogy that I can give everyone. It's like, it's like saying that you have a baby that's born and uh, but just in case this one's done, you know, you're going to start planning on the next one just in case this one doesn't work out and you're going to have another baby. It's like, no dude, feed the one that you have, love the one that you have, care for the one that you have um, at the highest, highest level. And once you've mastered that one, then go on for the next one, bring the next one in, into this world. And once you've mastered that business, then you can go explore a second business if you want to. So plan A is the main thing and you got to keep the main thing, the main thing. So I burned the boats. I went all in. I spent all my money that I had. I had three months worth of savings. I ran through those savings that first year. It sucked, bro. It was so painful, man. Uh, it was hard because Every single time you knock on a door, you get people slamming the door telling you no. Uh, it just like it just defeats you, demoralizes you. Every time you call someone and you're chasing them and they don't answer after they say, yeah, you can call me. That hurts. It hurts when you find out your friends and your family are buying and selling houses with other people because they don't yet trust you. And for me, it was because of my reputation that I had in the past. But I was going through this. For, I mean, I was growing through that for like six months, man. It was so tough my first year. And then I finally uh, had a listing appointment. And I remember securing a listing appointment month three into the business. And I uh, showed up to a listing appointment, did everything I was supposed to, bro. I shaved my face. I had a suit on. I, I, I memorized the complex. I knew the HOA. I knew my sales compare. Everything, bro. Like I was going to score this one. And the only thing is, I didn't, you know, I didn't tell the client at that time and I didn't tell anyone was I was three months behind on my car payment. So I hadn't made my car payment in almost three months. It was like 60, 70 days past due. And so uh, the repo man had been chasing me. They'd been calling me. I had the car in different garages, trying to avoid them. It was the only means of transportation I had. So I showed up to this listing appointment. I started crushing it and uh, we're vibing along the way. And then his mother runs downstairs and she yells in Spanish and asks me, you know, do you have a blue car? And I saw the look in her face. And just when she was running down the stairs, I already knew. I already knew at 9.30 in the morning that the repo man found me. And I remember just sitting there on the sofa, looking at the client and looking at the mother. And he said, yeah, I do. And then in Spanish, she tells me, she's like, they're taking it. They're taking your car. So I get up and I remember just my heart was pounding. My hands started getting clammy. I was already thinking like, what am I going to tell this person? I open the door. And as soon as you open the door, you turn right outside of the front door, uh, the car was already hooked up, already hooked up. And I'm in a gated community in a little small cul-de-sac in the community. So he had to get in the, he had to get inside there, find it and hook it up quickly. And um, that's what he did. And as soon as he saw me, he just saw, uh, he just saw the look in my eyes 
And I just remember feeling this heavy weight over my shoulders, this heavy weight on my mind. I remember just my heart was just shattered. It was broken. I was embarrassed in that moment. And I just started walking over to him slowly. And I was trying to hold back all the tears because, dude, I had no money. I cleared out my entire bank account. I'm, at, I'm finally at a listing appointment that I'm hoping I'm going to get. Everything up to this point has been failing. Everyone's telling me no. They're giving me their phone number. They're not answering when I call back. Doors are getting slammed. Family and friends are buying and selling with other people. And all of that just weighed on me in that one moment. And I was carrying all that weight as I was walking towards the, the car. So I'm walking back towards him and I look at him and I, I kind of whisper because the clients aren't too far back behind me. And I said, man, can you, is there any way you can please let go of my car? I'm like, I have no money on me. I'm like, I have nothing and I'm working. And this is big old six foot four bro, like dude with a beard. I mean, he's like, he asked me like at least 260, 270, huge. He's humongous. Uh, and I'm like looking up at him and he's like tatted up, bro. He has like the whole uh, uh, flannel shirt with like the sleeves cut off. So, you know, this dude's not playing around, bro. Like he's, he's not joking. And so I look at him and I ask him like, hey man, can you please let my car go? I have no money left and, you know, uh, I'll, I'll do something. And then he, he must have seen it in my eyes, like how much pain I was going through and what was happening. Uh, and he changed his whole tonality, changed his whole body language. And he looked at me he's like, man, if I could, I would. He's like, but I can't. I'm contracted from BMW. And they told me to, they told me that I have to pick this car up today. He's like, I'm so, so sorry for what I'm doing to you today. He's like, I, I, I don't want to. And I just looked at him like, okay. And I just remember just like taking a deep breath. And I remember like, all right, I'm going to turn around. I'm going to see the clients, like get it together now. So I just took a deep breath. And before I turned around, I just snapped into character and I smiled and I started walking back, back over to him. And I'm like, Hey, you know what? Um, you know, it's all right. They're going to have, you know, his policy is now that the car's hooked, he technically has to take it with him. So I'll just end up getting it a little later. Let's go back inside and finish everything. He's like, are you okay, man? Are you sure? I'm like, yeah, it's fine. man. I'll get it figured out a little later. No problem. Let's go back inside. So I sit back down and I go back, I put my sales hat back on. I'm like, I'm going to freaking close this listing appointment. There's no way I'm not going to get this. And it's funny because once we walk inside, he's like, do you see, man, this is why I want to sell my house. I'm like, why do you want to sell it? He's like, because my neighbors suck. He's like, he's like, I know for a fact they called, uh, they called the tow truck on you. And I was like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah, for sure it was your neighbors, man. Screw your neighbors. Let's get this home sold. So I finish up the entire presentation and he doesn't sign. And I'm, I, I go for the close three, four times. He doesn't sign. And after that, um, um, I remember calling my mom. She was at work. She didn't answer. My sister, she didn't have a car at the time. And this is before Uber existed. I had no money for a taxi. And so I was just uh, kind of like standing inside the living room, like looking for something. He's like, hey, man, you want me to give you a ride to your office? And uh, it was one of the most humiliating experiences ever. And I remember hopping inside of his car. It was a two-seater pickup. You had the old school windows that you had to roll all the way down. Um, and I remember like it was just like this two-seater, no cabin. There was no back seat. It was just a trunk in the back or the bed in the back. So we're sitting right next to each other, as close as you and I are, and it's quiet, no radio, nothing. I have my hands like this, like crossed, just kind of sitting like a kid who's in trouble. And I remember just like looking outside, looking around, it was dead quiet. This guy just got in telling me, no, I'm not gonna hire you to sell the house. And now he's giving me a ride back to the office. And I'm sitting there with like all this emotion that I'm holding inside for like an hour. Uh, and he finally dropped. So I swing my legs off, I open the door, I, I turn around and I look at him, like I make eye contact with him. And I'm like, okay, well, bye. He's like, bye. And I close the door. He ended up just driving off. And dude, I never cried so hard. I cried in front of my office building like a baby. 
And I remember just looking up to God and asking like, what is going on? I have no money. I'm completely broke. I just, I have no car. I'm like, I don't know what to do. And I remember just crying. And I remember this dude, I remember feeling so bad for myself that um, all I wanted to, all I thought about doing was just quickly getting home, crying and like closing everything up. And I just, just, I didn't know what I was going to do. Like I said, there was no plan B. I had nothing else. So I'm standing in front of my building and I'm looking up at it. Um, and I, and I, and I remember just, I remember all of the audio tapes I've ever listened to. I remember all of the speakers I ever listened to. I remember all of the seminars that I ever attended. And I remember everyone basically saying the same thing, which is keep going. That's, I mean, at the very end of it, every entrepreneur, every business owner, every high level person has experienced failure. Every athlete, every uh, Floyd, every single person you can think of has experienced some hardship in their life. And the one message that I remember from all the books, audiobooks, YouTube videos, seminars, masterminds, the one thing I remember is that all of them went through something and kept going. I had a choice. I could have went home and cried or I could, it's 11 o'clock in the morning. I can put my big boy pants on. I can turn around and finish the day. And that's what I did. I turned around. I took, I wiped all my tears off, went back inside the office and I stayed there until six o'clock until my mom picked me up to go home. And I remember I just cold called the entire day. All I was booking, booking appointments, booking appointments. And that right there instilled something inside of me, some uh, character that I will never, ever lose or forget. And that was something that I carried with me since the very beginning of my career. And since that moment, when that hardship took place and me losing everything, uh, within six weeks after that, I closed my first deal in 2015. It was a $200,000 condo. Uh, I made a uh, 2% commission. So I ended up making $4,000 in that deal. It was nothing. Enough money to pay my tia back for getting my car out of the impound. Enough to put some money back in my pocket so I had some money for food. Um, a couple of weeks after that, I closed my next deal. Then I closed my third deal. And I remember just, I showed up every single day. Every day I followed up. Every day I made cold calls. Every day I did door knocking. Every day it was an open house. I showed up every single day because every book, Every seminar, every mentor told me the same thing and said, you cannot lose unless you quit. If you don't quit, you will win. And I was in my head. So I showed up. I closed three deals in 2015 and I did everything I was supposed to. I followed the playbook to a T. And then in 2016, I ended up doing north of 12 or 14 deals, made over 100,000 my first year. Uh, then I did 160,000 my second year, quarter million my third year, uh, fourth year I think I did like over like 500,000, 600,000. My fifth year I did 800,000. My sixth or seventh year, 2021 I did 1.3 in GCI. Um, bought my uh, bought my first home. Ended up paying off the solar, updating it, put like 60,000 into it. I took that home. Uh, my wife and I had a conversation. We ended up giving it to my mom, so she, now she owns that property. Uh, but we bought it, remodeled it, signed everything over to her, uh, paid off the solar for it. Now she has it. We ended up buying our first investment home. Uh, now that has positive cash flow. We're building a successful sales team. Um, I'm launching my coaching program, which is amazing. We have two healthy children. My son's in private school. My daughter goes to a really um, top level elementary school. 
Um, and my wife and I, we have the best marriage ever. Uh, our kids are extremely happy. My mother's happy and healthy. My father's happy and healthy. I've been, to pay off, I've been able to pay off all of his debts. I pay for his car. I help him live with his living expenses. He's now almost 70. So I'm able to support him and do that. Uh, we live in a beautiful high-rise condo in downtown uh, San Diego in Little Italy. Um, so everything shifted after that. And, and I just remember looking back at all of it and telling myself that, um, you know, I never want to go back to that. And the things that motivate me till this day, um, still to this day and back then, was the fear. I, I remember how painful it was to be at the bottom. And I never want to experience that again. And the other motivating factor that pushes me every day is the, uh, the pain of regret. I don't want to wake up one day, look back at my life and ask myself, what if? What if I just would have went to the office after I lost that listing appointment? What if I just would have kept going one more day, one more week, one more door, one more thank you card? What if I just would have tried it and just gone with it? What if I just would have listened to my mentors that told me this is part of a process? I'm supposed to feel this way. What if I just would have took that shot? What if I just would have went broke for it one time? What would have happened? I never want to ask myself that question. I never want to ask myself, what if you would have what if you would have launched that coaching program? What if you just would have stressed out three more years and seen it through? Could it have been something big? Or maybe it would have been a failure either way. But I never want to wake up 60, 70, 80, 90. What if? And never and regret never giving it an opportunity. Um, so those are the things that have always motivated, motivated me to this day. And and now I mean, I've been blessed, all glory to God. Got a hold of my life, got baptized, got saved. Um, my children are planted in the church. The yeah. church have an amazing community around me. And uh, we're here today, man, because of God's good grace. Yeah, uh, man, God is great. Uh, listen, I can keep going. How much time do you have? About three, four more minutes. About 10, okay, so so yeah. we could do a part two, I guess. Would that be fair to Gabe? Because I have so much to get into. So I'll, I'll wrap it up. But in a few months, maybe if you have time, part two. Because yeah. there's so much, I, I mean, dear, I, bro, I've been watching you, just your your movie, ultimately speaking. I have so much to get into. Uh, let me see. Let me pick one topic and we can wrap it up. The right girl, man. Cherish, right? Yeah, man. He's beautiful. Uh, I saw you guys' journey. I saw your TikTok. I'm, I'm, I'm into you, man. Like your, your, your channel, all that stuff. Um, talk to me. Like how important it is to have a right, the perfect running mate? The perfect wife how much how much do you say that hey kb my success right now 36 years old and sit in front of you is because of what cherish has bought to the table man what an amazing question to ask and to end the the conversation with i think it's probably the most perfect question you could have asked there's nothing more perfect you could have asked and to answer the question uh how important it is to find the right mate and how uh instrumental was my wife in all of this well, you know, as human beings, the way that we're designed, we're designed to have a mate. So as men, we're designed to have a woman next to us. And that's who that's how we're designed to be. And we're designed to go out there and provide and secure and all of it. And the wife is there to uh, support and to help and to uh, come under submission, our mission and to come under submission of our vision. And it is having the right mate, having the right soul person next to you is the difference between uh, having a truly successful life or not. It is the one of the most defining factors in any anything when it comes to success in business. It's the thing. It's the one thing that can tear everything from the inside and collapse an entire empire. 
or it's the one thing that can just watch it blossom and grow. You need to have that person next to you that brings that emotional feminine energy to everything that they do. And I'll tell you right now, like uh, Cherish is the number one thing that I'm most proud of in my entire life uh, because I wouldn't have I wouldn't have the business that I have to this day because I met Cherish um, in August of 2015. And that was only a couple of months after I went full-time in real estate. May of 2015 is when I went full-time. And then I met her August 1st was the date that I met her. And that's the date that I actually tell everyone that we started dating because the day that I met her, I knew she was the one. I knew she was it. The moment I looked at that woman in the eyes and I saw her, I knew she was the one. And since then, she's been with me from the beginning. So the business is where it's at today because I've had her by my side. It wouldn't be where it's at. Uh, my peace and my happiness that I'm able to do this every single day. I wouldn't have that if I felt this angst or anxiety or pressure from home. She releases me. She tells me, she pats me back and she releases me into the marketplace like a woman should. She supports the vision, you know, and um, the thing that I love most about her is, you know, she came to terms one day and she told me this on her own years later. She said, you know, babe, um, you know, I've been praying a lot and going to Pathfinders and, and going to my connect group. She's like, I'm at peace with what I'm getting ready to tell you next, but I truly believe my calling in life is to support you 100% in everything you want to do. And man, that hit me like a ton of bricks. It released me into a new man. It allowed me to grow into my potential knowing that I had a partner right next to me. And she's been in the business with me since the very beginning. Our children are the happiest, healthiest uh, best versions of themselves because of her, the, the amount of uh, uh, time and energy she puts into both of them, our relationships and friends and family around us all are amazing because of her. So it's the thing that I'm most proud of is my wife Cherish. I'm most grateful for is my wife Cherish. And if there's one thing that all of you men can do out there right now in business, it's spend time in finding the right person for you because that one person is the difference between everything collapsing internally or you having and thriving in every area of your life and just want to say shout out to babe i love you thank you for being That's by awesome. my side beautiful gabe i'm on camera promise me part two right you're promising me right all right man i gotta, gotta, gotta promise you man part two because i know i ended up going dude, on a tangent on that second question so dude listen man i just like have so much dude before i wrap up quickly gabe social media is amazing this is the first time we're meeting, but I had the connection with you, man. We text a few times back and forth. You see your the connection we have, man. Like we're like brothers, man. So thank you, bro. Um, when you're in Florida, Miami, Orlando, come see me. I'll be in California soon. I'm gonna stop by. But you're doing an amazing job, man. For us men out there, we need more people like you, man. So God bless you. We're praying for you and your family, and uh, just get it, man. Yeah, KB, it's been a pleasure, brother. Thank you for reaching out. Thank you for having me on your podcast. It's such an, such an honor for me. Yeah, Gabe, you can find your Instagram and put them and put all your listings, your description on the bottom. Instagram, uh, Facebook, all over, right? Social media? Yeah, all over. Awesome, buddy. Thank you, Gabe. Thank you for joining us today. Awesome, brother. Thank you.